Morning Teacher. I'm Noelle Pickering. On the Good Morning Teacher podcast, we bring practical solutions to busy teachers because you can love your job and leave your work at school. Join us each week to talk through tools and strategies that help you maximize your time and effort both in the classroom and at home. I'm excited to cheer you on as you face the week ahead. morning, teachers. You're listening to episode number 28. Last week on the podcast, I shared my must-teach routines and procedures for the first day of school. If you missed it, you can listen at maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode 27. Today, we are going to continue the routine and procedure conversation by breaking down how you actually go about teaching these routines and procedures to your students and how you can think through the process to be more effective and efficient in those first few weeks. You know me, always looking for a practical solution. So let's do it. I think the number one mistake we make as teachers is just not taking the time to think through all the routines and procedures that we could come up in a class. We think about the big ones and then we get in the rhythm of teaching and the content really takes priority. And then it's October and students are coming into class loud and unruly. I think we all can envision that, right? So the first thing that you as the teacher need to do is you need to know all of the routines and procedures that you could possibly want to teach. So let's take a step back and remember that motto that I love to share, go slow now so you can go fast later. If you're listening to this episode while multitasking, maybe you're doing some dishes or folding laundry or driving, keep going. But I really encourage you to go back and do this step when you have time to listen and focus. So grab a sheet of paper or start a new Google Doc and brainstorm all of the things that you plan to do regularly in your classroom. Do you plan to use stations throughout the year? Do you have devices that need to be picked up on a daily basis? Will students get their materials each day? Think through the things that will happen regularly in your classroom. Regularly being the key word. You're going to have other things like fire drills or assemblies, and those will need a procedure too. But So jot those on your list, but then make a note that you're going to need to teach those at a more appropriate time. You don't want to be teaching a procedure for an assembly that's not going to happen for weeks or even months. Once you have your list of routines and procedures on your paper or your Google Doc that you want to teach, plan situations in which these routines and procedures can be taught. In last week's episode, I mentioned the five most important ones to teach on the first day. So go back and listen at maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode 27 if you haven't already caught that one. Then after that, I like to group these into days and what makes sense to teach together. So let's say that you plan to use cut and paste in your math classroom or markers and highlighters in your ELA classroom when you're revising and editing. You want to create a learning situation in which these materials will be used. And let me just pause here for a second. I was 100% guilty of really wanting to jump into the content. I hated the feeling of being behind, and I swear we always had some sort of benchmark assessment that was looming over that first month of school. 
There are also teachers who are required to teach routines and procedures for the entire first week. And in one case in our Facebook group, a teacher was required to do that for two full weeks. But let me assure you, there is a happy medium. So let's go back to my example. You're going to create a learning situation in which these materials are going to be used. It can be academic. It can be classroom culture building. It can be a get-to-know-you activity. It really can be whatever you want because the purpose is actually to teach the routine and the procedure and then to practice it. Then you're going to continue going down your list, grouping the procedures that can be taught together and planning the activities that allow you to do so. Now you've done a lot of prep work, and if you're like me, you probably color-coded it. So all of the green things can be taught on one day together, all of the yellow the next day, and that helps to make sense. So not only are you teaching a routine and procedure, but you're actually accomplishing something as well and allowing a natural way of practicing that routine and procedure. Next, students actually need to practice it, right? This may seem pretty obvious, but I can't tell you how many PowerPoint presentations I've seen where the routine is typed up and it's beautiful on the slide, but no one is actually doing anything in the classroom except for the teacher explaining what's on the slide. So you're going to want to chunk this. I like to think of it as three different parts. You're modeling an explanation, student practice and feedback, and then repeat, right? Because chances are no one's going to get it exactly right the first time. So let me give you an example of a routine or procedure that almost every teacher listening will need in their classroom, collecting and turning in papers. Now, without much direction, this can literally lead to chaos, a line of students at the turn-in bin, um, papers without names, the messiest turn-in bin you could ever think of, right? So here's an example that you may want to consider teaching. First, You may say, okay, well, students at a table, everyone's individual responsibility is to check and make sure their name is on their paper. Now, that's going to kill two birds with one stone because we all know there's a no-name paper situation um, in our future, right? Then students hand their papers to the table captain. Did you hear that group roll in there? The table captain makes sure that all of the papers are facing the correct direction and then passes them to the table closest to them, and that's moving towards the front of the room. And then this continues as the stacks come together and eventually are handed to the teacher. Now, you could time them to see if they could do it in less than a minute or any arbitrary time than you, that you create. Timing makes it a little more exciting. It can bring some healthy competition between class periods. And once all the papers make it back to the correct spot, ask students how they could improve to get their time down, and then you can give feedback as well. Then pass those papers back out and have them try again simple and effective. You may have a different routine for passing in papers and it doesn't necessarily have to be this one. So ask yourself, what routines can my students benefit from immediate practice with feedback? And then if you can incorporate some sort of game or time or competition, that is always a little more fun and a little more exciting. Now, those of you listening likely teach middle school students and you know it is important to get students to actually buy in And this can be facilitated in two different ways. So first, I really like to share the why behind the procedure or the routine. It helps if you have a common classroom goal or a culture that you've set in your classroom. 
Then you can share with students why this is important to our classroom functioning well and growing our math brains. I think we can assume that students know this, but their brains are, they're growing, they're maturing, they're, they're not always fully formed in that cause and effect muscle. So think about yourself in the professional development setting, right? A lot of times you're probably thinking, well, why am I being asked to do this? Or what is the purpose of this? And I would venture to guess that some of our students are also thinking the same thing. So really communicating that and helping them to understand how they impact the whole classroom and the classroom culture helps them to understand that and get a little more buy-in. Another way to gain student buy-in is to actually ask students for their opinion or their thoughts. Really getting their perspective can foster a strong sense of community when students' voices are heard. So by giving student voice, you could do this in a few different ways. Maybe you have a routine or an expectation that you don't really feel strongly about. And so that's an easy way to cultivate student buy-in, asking students what they think. You could do this in a gallery walk where you place large white paper around the room with questions that you want students' input. Students walk around the room and they write their ideas and then they can put check marks by ideas that they like and that signifies support. Getting student buy-in is really important at this age level, so think about opportunities to do so. If you want to go a little deeper and really focus in on classroom culture, then this could be questions like, how do we show respect to the students in our classroom? How do we show respect to our materials? And really focusing in on some of those um, things that are not necessarily routine and procedure, but more classroom culture oriented. Getting students involved by having them teach the routine and procedure or policy to each other is another way to communicate routines and procedures. And I'm really thinking about those student handbooks with all the nitty gritty details that you may be required to go over. So there's two activities that naturally come to mind. One is speed dating, and we have a blog post on that. So check the show notes for the link. And then the other one is the jigsaw method. And these are fun ways to incorporate collaboration. So if you're not familiar with the jigsaw, here's basically what it is. You break students into groups of five or so, five or so groups, excuse me. And the number of groups is going to depend on how many routines or procedures that you want students to learn. Each group is responsible for learning that, and this could be done by reading a syllabus or looking at the student handout, um, I'm sorry, the student handbook or anything like that. So let's say that group A learned about the late work policy and group B learned about how to get supplies and group C learned about a cell phone policy, right? So you're going to set a timer and have those students make groups consisting of one member of each of the previous groups, okay? So you were you had all of group A together learning about the policy, and now we're going to switch groups, and your group will be comprised of someone that knows about group A, group B, or group C. And then each group member is going to share what they learned with the other members of the group. Now, if you decide to have students teach it, then you really want to make sure you allow time to go over it together at the end to make sure that everyone heard the same important material. A Kahoot or Quizzes is a great way to do this because it gets students immediate feedback, it's engaging, and then you can clarify what the actual expectation is if you need to. And lastly, For teaching routines and procedures, I want to remind you that you can reflect, revise, and repeat. 
The beauty of teaching and one of my favorite things about actually being a teacher is you get a fresh start each year with a new group of students. But you can also make adjustments. You can reflect, revise, and repeat as the year goes on as well. So I think it's really important to reflect on the way the routine and the procedure was taught, see how well it's sticking, and then revise as the year progresses. This can be as simple as saying, I've noticed that when we pick up materials as we come into the classroom, it's causing a bit of buildup in the stu- for students in the doorway. So instead, we're going to, and then you teach your new routine or procedure. Don't be afraid to tweak or change anything that isn't working. Just be consistent in what you have taught and following through with those procedures. Consistency is the key in teaching and classroom management and parenting if you're a parent as well. As teachers, we can build our consistency muscle through these routines and procedures. So as a quick recap, teaching routines and procedures is just like teaching content. Students need practice and feedback. First, take the time to go slow now by brainstorming and planning all the routines and procedures that you want to teach. Second, give students an opportunity to actually practice it. Then get student buy-in to help foster that healthy classroom culture. And then next, consider allowing students to teach each other using the jigsaw method. And last but not least, Reflect, revise, and repeat as the year progresses, remembering that consistency for students and for yourself is actually key. Happy August! I know that some of you are well into summer break and some of you just started back please know that I am so happy to join you along in the journey and I will continue to provide ideas that can maximize your results and minimize your efforts in the classroom. I am rooting for you. You can tag us at Maneuvering the Middle on both Facebook and Instagram. If you've been loving the podcast, then we would really appreciate a five-star review. It helps us to be found by other teachers. For all of the links, resources, and freebies mentioned today in one easy place, check out maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode 28. I'm Noelle Pickering, and you've been listening to the Good Morning Teacher podcast. Until next time, friends, make it a great week.